about um, gene editing or CRISPR-Cas. Um, the paper this, this technology um, is based on was published in 2012. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Christian D. Evans. Did you know for the first time in history, the disease that comes as a consequence of old age, such as cancer, heart attacks, stroke, dementia, outweigh infectious disease as a humankind's largest killers. Why am I bringing this up? Well, that's the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we have this next guest on. He is the managing partner and the co-founder of Apollo Health Ventures. They focus on enhancing health lifespan. What does that mean? Well, that's the reason why you got to listen to this episode. Uh, Apollo Health Ventures develops interventions with the potential to prevent or reverse age-related diseases and extend healthy human lifespan. Some of you guys think this is science, you know, science fiction or fictional, but the reality is there are some real deep stuff that's going on right now, and we're so excited about having him on, unpacking his portfolio and what he's been doing. He has a PhD in economics from the California Berkeley as the youngest and fastest finishing postgraduates in his faculty. Please welcome the co-founder and head of HR, my friend, Dr. Ola Minshin. How are you today, Dr. Ola? Very good. Thank you. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Well, man, I am looking forward to this conversation. I am thinking so much about this, uh, this, 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 what's going on in this industry. And I really want for you, before we dive into like the intricacies of, you know, the lifespan and what's going on and the excitement, that's, that's really what, what Apollo's doing, uh, VC. Mm-hmm. I would love to help me understand and our audience your journey. At what pivot point did you start really getting this passion, this desire, and said, hey, this is what I want to spend the next 40, 60 years of my life really making an impact in this industry? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I joined the industry in 2016. And before that, um, I was building up um, companies in all kinds of industries um, together with my um, now co-founder, Niels Regge. Um, and the thing is, I mean, um, we had some very good exits. Um, most of them in the tech space, um, but um, we were also doing at that point um, investments in healthcare and we we're also doing um, company building there. Mm. And then after having um, some good exits, um, we were really thinking of what we want to do in the future, right? So um, what we actually did is um, that we rented a room in the basement of our office building and we met um, twice a week for one hour to brainstorm what are topics of the future and what um, we really want to do. And um, the thing is, I mean, so I'm a, I'm a macro I'm economist by training. And um, there, I mean, so first of all, um, I told um, Niels, my co-founder, um, what we are doing with the tech businesses. Um, so um, is at the end, I'm saving transaction costs, which is not bad because in a modern economy like in the US or in Europe, um, 60% of the GDP are transaction costs, right? And we are taking a share out of it. So we were, for example, building meter search um, engines um, for consumer loans um, for jobs and so on and so forth. And there's a saying in uh, German, I think it translates um, to English, um, it says, so if you wouldn't do that, um, the world would still spin tomorrow, right? (laughs) So we wanted to do something with more impact. Um, We were always interested in um, the life science um, field. And then, um, I mean, we really really dived into that topic. And um, we also talked to a lot of professors, um, institutes, um, labs, and so on and so forth. And we just found out that at this point in time, um, we only, or humankind only had a better understanding of 
um, what makes people age and how to fight aging for 10 to maybe 12 years, right? So actually, we are the first generation that can really do something about aging. So, I mean, if you look um, in human history, um, even like um, in the in, in the first um, novel that um, humankind ever wrote or that was found, the Gilgamesh, um, it's, a, it's a topic in the Gilgamesh, and then um, you can see it in all cultures, um, that living longer and healthier was always um, a topic um, in yeah, stories, um, novels, and so on and so forth. Um, so, but um, we are the first generation that can actually do something about it. Yeah, and then um, we started to invest um, our own money in that field. Um, then we um, started to invest with uh, friends and family and um, did a deal-by-deal -deal structure. Because, I mean, actually in 2016, um, when we got familiar with the topic and we started our work in that field, um, I would say more or less zero dollars um, were going into that space. Um, if you compare it um, with last year, 2022, it was a downturn year for um, biotech, but um, I think six billion went into that space. I mean, three billion of that went into Altus Labs, but it just um, shows how the field has exploded since then. So um, I think we were like uh, on the right path when we started um, um, doing the investments there. And um, yeah, we are thinking um, it's, it's um, very exciting because we can really make an impact. And we, of course, we also believe it's a big, big business opportunity. Yeah, what I find so interesting about this is, you know, when I was looking at to, to get ready for this podcast, I didn't realize that, you know, the headway that this uh, industry has made in, uh, you know, really establishing some incredible, remarkable things. I'd love for you to just touch on that a little bit uh, for our guests to understand that this, like I mentioned in the intro, this isn't science, science fiction anymore. This is real stuff. This is no, actually happening. Not. We're seeing yeah. some real things. So I'd love for you to just, you know, touch on that a little bit for, for our audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think everyone who's familiar with the topic a little bit um, knows um, this is not science fiction. This is um, solid science. But I think... Um, yeah, in the mainstream, um, still um, people believe um, it's not possible to extend healthy lifespan. But I mean, of course, um, there are a lot of drugs um, on the market um, where we have like very good evidence um, that they can. For example, first and foremost, rapamycin. Um, it's an mTOR drug, and you can see um, healthy lifespan um, ex ex extension in mice by 27% or so. Um, the problem is um, that it's also um, suppressive for the immune system. So, for example, we have one company that is working on repalogs, so analogs to rapamycin, that keep the beneficial effects on health and lifespan, um, but don't have the negative effects, for example, on the um, immune system. Of course, there are also other side effects. Um, and then um, there are a lot of um, diabetes um, drugs um, where... Um, I mean, there's the ITP, I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, it's from Rich Miller from the NIA. Um, it's a grant program. So everyone um, can hand in compounds he believes will prolong healthy lifespan, and then um, they are testing them for you. So of course you have to write a proposal. You can't, I mean, there must be a reasoning behind that, right? You can't just hand in a compound and they will test it, but if you have a good reasoning, they will do it. And um, you can see that a lot of stuff is not working, like green tea extract, um, aspirin, um, for example, metformin, um, which is a diabetes drug, um, the trial is um, very soon run on this drug, um, didn't, didn't have a significant effect. But there were um, like um, other diabetes drugs um, that had an um, effect, at least in, in mice, for example, Arcabus, which is an enzyme um, that is preventing the uptake of sugar um, in your, in your um, gut. But um, there are also other drugs um, where people believe that they can already extend healthy lifespan. Um, for example, um, this new kind of diabetes drugs like 
um, SGLT2 um, inhibitors or uh, GLP1 um, agonists. Um, so um, there's very good evidence um, that they can do that. Um, so for me, it's only a question of time until um, we have really uh, drugs on the market um, that have been kind of developed for, um, so I mean, the thing is, we are not allowed um, to do drugs against aging, right? Because we are coming from a um, Christian Jewish tradition in the, in the US, but also in Europe. Um, so aging is coming from God. Aging is not a disease. But um, uh, as uh, Nia Baselai, who's running the TAME trial on metformin, um, said, it's the biggest risk factor for almost um, um, each and every disease out there. So um, of course, um, we can develop drugs against this risk factor. And um, I think that in the next five years, we will see the first drugs that have been developed with, with kind of in mind um, having them to expand healthy lifespan. Of course, they will have other indications, um, but I'm pretty sure that we will also have data in um, humans until then. So what we are really missing in our entire industry is um, data in, in humans and also in non-human primates. Most of the stuff is, do, is, is done in, in mice, and um, yeah, mice are not men. Um, but I'm pretty sure um, that um, some of these diabetes drugs, rapamycin, and also drugs that are developed right now, will have an immense effect on healthy lifespan in humans. So you mentioned here, and I want to step on this for a second, uh, you mentioned where you got that Christian, Judeo-Christian kind of philosophy a little bit in the U.S. and the Western culture, which they mm -hmm. their, their perception behind uh, you know aging is not a disease. How do you think, by having that cultural you know kind of paradigm, how do you think that's mm -hmm. going to, um, you know, adjust the, the 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 adaptation of these products, of these kind of um, abilities, or these these services, or these companies? Um, do you see that as a pro, or do you see that as a con, or do you think that's just more of a small hurdle that you have to overcome uh, to make sure that you know these this this, this culture is more educated or aware mm -hmm. of that? So the thing is, I I, I see it more as a hurdle. But I think it's also not important if you define um, aging as a disease or not. It is the biggest risk factor for almost um, all diseases out there, right? I mean, even cancer, of course, you have leukemia in, in children, but all the other um, cancers are highly connected um, to your age. And um, so, I mean, and I think nobody uh, nobody um, is doubting um, that, that um, age is a big risk factor for almost um, all diseases out there. And um, I also think maybe because of our tradition, because of religion, um, some people, um, they don't want to live forever or they don't want to um, extend um, lifespan because they are thinking, you know, um, it's natural that we die at some point. But I think um, what we can all agree on is that we want to live um, health, healthy until the end of our life, um, right? So we want to at least um, extend um, health span. Um, and I mean, this is also our focus of Apollo. Um, so our, our mission is um, to expand um, healthy lifespan, so to ex extend a um, health span. And I mean, this is um, not only good for the individual, but also for society, right? Because um, you can save a lot of costs in the um, healthcare system. I mean, most of the costs um, that um, someone is producing for the healthcare system is in the very last years. Um, of the life um, when people have like different comorbidities and uh, need uh, intensive care. And it is um, good for um, all kinds of other reasons. I mean, when people stay healthy, they can work longer, they can share their knowledge. Um, it makes more sense to invest in education because they can um, work longer. I think um, they are thinking more about um, sustainability, um, about our environment, about our um, climate, because they live longer. Um, then, I mean, you, and you can go to, to, to a very um, deep level of detail, right? I would even argue that um, 
older societies are more peaceful because, I mean, uh, most of the violent crimes done by males between 17 and 35, right? So <laughs> I think there are a lot of um, beneficial effects to it. And um, that's why it should be our mission as an individual, but also as a society to extend healthy lifespan. I appreciate you sharing that. So it's at the end of the day, it's just a way to reframe it and saying, hey, at the end of the day, you still want to have a healthy lifespan at the uh, even when you get into that 65, because you mentioned something in regards to the cost. And uh, you say this on your mm -hmm. website, Apollo.vc, which I found this very, I mean, just a staggering number. Healthcare spendings for the population with an age of over 65 exceed $2 trillion. That's not including sub 65. So that's just 65 and over in the U.S. and Europe. And you guys talk a little bit more about it. Apollo is not targeting single diseases, but the root cause of aging to increase health span and the yes. quality mm -hmm. of life. So I like that because you guys have been able to really focus on that that perception. This this is your this is your vision. Now I'm curious when you look at how does that affect your investing thesis as well as maybe just also the projects that or or the clear um, uh, mission that you guys have as an organization. Yeah, exactly. So we are completely agnostic regarding a first indication, um, the drugs that we finance or that we are developing ourselves um, have. So, by the way, I mean, our fund is doing normal VC investments. 50% um, of the money is going into normal VC investments. We only do them when we have very good syndicates, either with Big Pharma or with um, American biotech um, VCs. And the other half um, we use for company building, um, company formation. So we also have a studio model. So we um, develop drug our, drugs ourselves or in our portfolio companies um, that in the beginning we manage 100%. And um, of course, we also have portfolio companies that are doing that. So we are completely agnostic regarding the indications. But what we want to see with the drugs that we finance or develop is that they have an effect on one of the basic root mechanisms of aging. And then you can go um, to a lot of diseases or for a lot of indications because, I mean, these um, these uh, mechanisms are so basic to human biology um, that um, they are, of course, influencing a lot of um, diseases. And um, usually what we do is um, that we, uh, as a first or second um, indication, we go for rare or often disease um, where we have a fast track with the FDA and um, have a nice um, proof of the technology on the market. And then um, as the third or fourth um, indication, we go for bigger indications and um, age-related ones. And I mean, this is not a strategy we came up uh, with. A lot of um, VCs are doing that strategy, but we think um, it is um, very neat. And what we really want to see is that we have drugs on the market that um, can influence um, healthy lifespan. And But I mean, um, how they are um, prescribed later on or taken, um, um, I mean, this is a question for the future. Uh, maybe they are prescribed um, off-label, right? Or maybe um, the FDA will change their mind um, at one point. Um, so we don't care so much at this point about that. First of all, we want to have these drugs, right? <laughs> well, that's what I'm, I'm intrigued with is are we, are we, is your guys' focus a little bit more on, you know, certain drugs or certain kind of um, things that individuals can take to prevent that? Or are you talking more preventative measures where it's like that lifestyle and, you know, certain things, behaviors that they want to change and adjust mm -hmm. to help them solidify more of a healthy, you know, increasing that lifespan? So the thing is, I mean, first of all, um, there's a there's an ugly truth, I think. I mean, this is discussable, but I'm happy to have this discussion with everyone who wants to have this discussion. I think, of course, I mean, um, if you have like a very unhealthy life, you drink a lot of alcohol, you don't do um, you don't work out at all um, you smoke, you can destroy um, your health um, very quickly. Right. 
So this is not a problem. So, but um, between having a mediocre lifestyle and a super good lifestyle, I think there's not such a big difference. And um, I think that you can only really increase healthy lifespan um, by drugs, and we have to develop these drugs. And I mean, um, there are already um, drugs on the market, um, apart from the diabetes drugs um, that, I, that I mentioned, um, that have more or less dysfunction, right? When you, for example, um, think about statins, um, they help um, a lot of people do not get um, cardiovascular diseases. So in a way, they are also longevity drugs, right? And um, they decrease um, your, your risk of getting cardiovascular diseases um, by a lot. And this is a little bit also the approach that we have um, at Apollo. So the interesting thing um, about um, the diseases of aging is that they all um, have the same um, root mechanisms, the same root causes, right? So and it's much harder um, to um, cure a disease that has already established in the body, broken out, um, than to prevent it. So what we really want to do is um, to prevent age-related diseases. Um, and as I said, they are based on the same um, causes, same mechanisms, and we are targeting these mechanisms. I can give you another example, which I think is very intriguing. So um, I, um, there's a study, and they calculated that um, if you would um, find a pill tomorrow, yeah, a pill um, that can heal or cure all the cancer in the world, people um, would only live on average um, three and a half years longer. I mean, which is a lot, but it's not as much as you would think it is, right? Because, I mean, um, these people wouldn't get um, cancer, but they would very soon um, get another um, age-related disease they would die of because um, you're not fixing the underlying cause, you're only fixing one disease. Um, so um, what, what Apollo is really doing, we want to bring drugs on the market that are preventative. Preventative. And this is so interesting because, see, that's what – coming back to what you just said in that, in that circumstance, if there was a pill, that would only elongate uh, individuals three and a half years on average. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not like a big, you know, big, uh, you know, massive, you know. Uh, I mean, life I think it's substantial. I mean, yeah. Uh, and I mean, of course. Um, so, I mean, if you have cancer, you really would love to have this pill, and I <laughs> would also love to have this pill on the market. Um, I just so I mean, I don't want to um, argue um, that we that we shouldn't um, do um, oncology research anymore or something like that, right? I mean, all this has to be done, but. Um, I really think that we neglect um, to, to target um, the root causes of aging and the mechanisms why these diseases establish in the body. So um, I'm just um, saying we should focus more on that. And of course, we should also focus on um, curing cancer. <laughs> gotcha. That makes sense. Now, you did mention just a few things. We, I know we kind of gravitate a little mm -hmm. bit more toward diabetes. Um, I do understand, like, we, we got heart disease, you got Alzheimer's, you got stroke, you got cancer. We mentioned cancer a little bit. Uh, these these kind of detrimental things that I think a lot of individuals are facing that. Um, uh, you're on the forefront of this stuff. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, you want to obviously get this to market, uh, a lot of these preventative things. Um, with just the, the the things that I mentioned, those those verticals, Alzheimer's, stroke, heart disease, what are you seeing in regards to you know um, products being developed to you know really decrease that in people's lives so that they extend that life uh, life expectancy? So I mean, um, let me reframe that question. Um, I think there are low hanging fruits um, um, in the in the longevity industry and um, drugs um, that will be developed soon. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you think about um, age-related disease and the um, root causes of it, um, we, we talk about the hallmarks of aging, and I think um, some of the hallmarks um, are, can, can be target, um, targeted more easy than others. And I would say um, the low-hanging fruits are definitely um, mTOR, um, which you can do with rapamycin or um, rapalogs. Then I think um, the clearance of um, senescent cells 
um, will be also something that will be solved um, very soon. Um, then um, let me think um, what else um, can be solved soon. I think also um, the rejuvenation of the immune system um, is something that we at least partly um, can do within the next years. Rejuvenation of the thymus, rejuvenation um, of the bone marrow. So um, there are low-hanging fruits and of course um, we should um, target um, these diseases or these root causes um, first um, to show traction, to show people that it really works, um, that we are um, working in a, in a solid scientific field. And um, then, um, of course, also um, with time, we know more about the other hallmarks and um, we can also target them better. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, um, so we have, we have companies in all of these areas. And, um, but at the end, I think that all hallmarks of aging can be targeted. So let me ask you this on just a side note. Do you, do you see any uh, attraction or traction, I should say, in the, the adjusting or modifying of the genome or the DNA at a molecular level so that they can prevent mm -hmm. some of these things? Do you see that as, as kind of a valid path? Absolutely. I think it's early. I mean, um, if you think about um, gene editing or CRISPR-Cas, um, the paper this, this technology um, is based on was published in 2012. So, um, the, and then, I mean, still the um, technology um, had to be developed, right? So uh, it's very early days um, of gene editing. But um, of course, I think um, that aging is a genetic program. And why is it a genetic program? Um, so I believe that in our um, environment of evolutionary adaptiveness or in our past, um, and this is true for all species, so species that lived too long, they couldn't adapt quick enough um, to their environment, and that's why they don't exist anymore, because they, um, they couldn't spread their genes, right? And at one point, um, we will know um, where it is written in our genome that we um, have to age, and we can change these parts and maybe make a big difference with that. But I mean, I think it's early. So um, as you know, in biotech, it's always complicated. Uh, it's always um, um, complex. and. Um, in the beginning, um, you might think it's, it's, it's more easy than when you really um, zoom in into the problem. So um, it will take time, um, but um, I think it's definitely possible and uh, it will be done in the future. And we will make a huge difference with these technologies. So, because I'm, I'm, I'm big, I don't know, I'm always, I've had these conversations with these individuals and I always find this very interesting in regards to like, Yes, you see this age group right now, and that's that's one mm -hmm. problem. We need to obviously help them solve those things, but also there's those that are being born that are, you know, the genetics, right? And if you could adjust, mm -hmm. and that's the question, if you could adjust that genetic, and like you had a family that all had prostate cancer, mm -hmm. which is in my line, you know, my grandfather mm -hmm. had prostate, his grandfather had prostate, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the line. But that's something that I'm like, well, if I could, you know, have offspring and uh, that individual says, hey, let's go ahead and take that gene out of that individual, um, you know, modify that or whatever. That's just an interesting conversation, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not sure, but, you know, having that conversation. So are we there yet in regards to that's that's happening? And I'm talking a little bit on the forefront, but yeah, I know... I, I think I think for genetic diseases, um, so we already have trials um, and um, we have companies on that, right? So I think um, this these are the first um, gene editing companies that we will see on the market. Um, but the thing is, I mean, um, when we talk about genes, um, I think we should also talk about what you can do today um, with bad genes for your health. And I think there's um, a lot you can do. So everyone um, can do um, an analysis of um, his genes. And when you have certain risk factors, um, you can tackle them. So, um, for example, um, if I see that I have very um, bad genes for cardiovascular diseases, I can change my diet. 
um, I can um, I can exercise more, and at the end I can also, of course, um, take statins, right? So if I see that I have these risk factors, I can do that. Um, the same is true for diabetes. So for example, um, of course I did a gene um, analysis and I can see that I have like um, all these um, risk factors for, for diabetes. So um, I think 68.5% um, with my gene profile get diabetes too until they are 65. So it's a big risk factor, I would say. And of course, I'm, I can do something against that. So I can, um, of course, um, cut sugar in my nutrition. I can do, um, I can work out. And at the end, I can also take preventative um, diabetes drugs. Um, so, um, and even, so when people always come with this argument, um, what if I find out that I have very bad um, APOE genes, um, which are responsible or uh, which are very, very strongly um, correlated um, to the onset of Alzheimer's, right? Um, so there's no drug out there. Um, can I do anything? And I think even there you can do something because, um, I mean, uh, studies show that um, the, the, the onset of Alzheimer's is connected um, with how much you sleep. So, I mean, if you have these genes, you can sleep more, right? And um, also for these people who have like this bad gene variants, I think um, until, I mean, of course, depending on how old they are, um, they are. but I also see um, huge advance, um, um, yeah, um, huge um, progress there. And I think um, until um, they really have an onset of Alzheimer's, maybe um, we already have drugs or maybe even a gene therapy for that. Um, so um, I think you should do it. I think you should um, get your genes um, analyzed and then um, should take countermeasures if necessary. Well, yeah, you bring up a really solid point um, because it's, it's that conversation I've, I've had individuals where I've talked to where they are just healthy as a horse. They're just rock and roll. All of a sudden they go in, they got a little pain in their stomach, they decide to go in, and then all of a sudden they got stage three cancer. And it's just so crazy because it's like, you know, on the outside or maybe you feel mentally right or whatever, but there are mm -hmm. certain things that you, you could be preventative. And sometimes, you know, kind of that whole concept of, hey, I'm going to, you know, skate to where the puck is going. Hey, if I know, that you know genetically we've had this yeah. in, in our in our history in my life whatever there are certain red flags that i should be aware of alzheimer's or you know diabetes or whatever so it's really interesting i wanted to talk a little bit about regulation uh and, and kind of pivot the conversation you mentioned obviously the fda i do i've heard where there are some uh drugs that are actually very marketable that are actually producing incredible stuff but for some reason the fda has not approved them i do understand the fda it it, it is it's it's there for a purpose i understand but also it does prevent some amazing things to hit market to really make an impact so it's a catch-22 and i understand that right because if they mess up and there's one bad you know mm -hmm. situation case study whatever they just get hammered and i understand the, the the stress that's on there so i'm curious do you see that um how can that how does that prevent really hitting mass market and uh, the, the longevity of um maybe the the the, the time frame of you know hitting this this company to mass market and go to market. Yeah, so to be honest, my perspective on the FDA is um, not that negative. I think um, that they are quick adapters. Of course, they have to be cautious um, because, I mean, you know, if they bring, if drugs are um, getting on the market that are harmful for people, um, it's their fault. And of course, um, they have to protect people from that. Um, so I can understand um, that they are conservative, um, but they are, I mean, they, they really talk to scientists. They are looking um, at, the, at the markets. And if they see that something um, is working and then something is safe, um, they are, I think they don't have a problem with changing their perspective. I mean, I give you two examples. First of all, um, the TAME trial by um, Nia Baselai um, from Einstein College of Medicine in New York. Um, so, um, so he raised um, donations 
um, for a clinical trial um, on uh, metformin. Um, so a lot of people think that metformin can um, prevent um, age-related diseases. And um, as I mentioned before in this podcast, um, Nia Baselai and the group he's working with, they argued um, that um, aging is not a disease, but it's the biggest risk factor for almost each and every disease out there. And the um, FDA, and they followed um, this argument, and they approved a clinical trial with metformin on elderly people, with the placebo group and the um, group that is treated um, with metformin, um, on this risk factor um, of age-related diseases. And I think this is amazing. Um, you can already see that there um, is a shift in mind um, in the regulation, right? Then the second thing um, which came out, I think, three weeks ago is, um, so when you um, want to have drugs on the market, you usually have to test them in um, two animal models. And now um, this regulation um, has been changed. Um, so um, you don't need this. So in some cases, and of course, there are, there are a lot of ifs, um, but um, for, for, so it's not necessary, uh, necessary anymore that you have two animal models. You can, for example, also do it in organoids. So that really means um, that the FDA is looking on what is happening um, in the scientific field, what is happening in drug development, and then they adjust. So um, I'm not so negative um, about the FDA. Of course, it's a constant conversation and people have to push the FDA, but um, at the end, um, they are having the responsibility. <laughs> so um, um, I, I have, I have a big understanding for the FDA that they are sometimes uh, moving more, more slowly. But it's not like um, that they are not open for arguments and um, for scientific proof, right? It's, it's not the case at all, I would say. Yeah, and I appreciate that contact a little bit and that color to that uh, because I, I'm a big believer in the FDA, but I understand like one mistake, mm -hmm. you know, the news takes it and it explodes and it's all FDA problem, but like all the other, you know, successful, you know, products that hit market, they don't get any credit for. So I understand that context and they've done very well thus far. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, of course, it's um, always a constant discussion. I mean, so are more people killed um, by, by, um, preventing getting drugs on the market um, than by getting a drug on the market that is maybe not so safe, right? But I think um, I, don't, I don't think we, that we should play this game. I think we should only have um, very safe um, drugs on the market. Because, I mean, um, if, if, you, if you have drugs on the market that are not so safe, um, so, um, I mean, people will um, lose trust um, in drugs, they will lose um, trust in the entire biotech um, industry. So I think um, here it's much better to be on the safe um, side than to be um, experimental. Definitely, definitely. I want to dive into a little bit of your portfolio. Um, I know you guys invested mm -hmm. on the front end of a lot of fun, different companies. Uh, if you could, maybe just take one or two or three of them. Just tell us a little bit about them, uh, a little bit about them, and kind of understand like you know their their thesis, where they're going, and the trajectory. Uh, because you guys have a really incredible you know kind of process in your investment thesis incubator and accelerator to be able to really help them you know uh, hit mass market so just give us a few of those in your portfolio that you'd like to talk about and highlight I mean of course I like um, all the companies in our portfolio by the way only only a fraction of them are on our website um, a lot of them are in stealth mode or we just don't want to write about them um, yet um, but the thing is I mean we are we are pretty much working on all the hallmarks of um, aging and yeah, maybe um, I talk about one of our company building projects, um, Samsara. It's actually um, the largest platform, discovery platform for compounds that can modulate autophagy. So we are first and foremost um, interested in, of course, activating autophagy. So for everyone who doesn't know what um, autophagy is, autophagy is Greek and it means self-devouring and that's 
essentially um, what it is, because it's a process um, of the cells where um, they devour parts of itself that are not functional anymore, um, and is producing functional parts again out of this, um, dysfunctional proteins or disentangled proteins. And the thing is, I mean, um, autophagy is needed in all our body, in all our tissues, in all our cells. And um, with age, um, this um, process is decreasing, or the ability um, to do autophagy is decreasing. And so um, cell damage is accumulated in um, all our body, in all our tissues. And of course, um, it's, it's, it's harming our body um, by a lot. And in my opinion, there's no age-related disease that is not somehow connected to autophagy. So it's a very important topic. By the way, in 2016, the Nobel Prize was given for the discovery um, of, of autophagy. And um, there are not many um, autophagy companies on the market. Um, the companies that are on the market are all working on the same target that is um, known for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Um, and Samsara um, has the um, ability to find um, new compounds um, that are triggering autophagy, but also um, new targets of autophagy, which is very interesting. So, um, and um, now we have like um, different development programs. I don't want to talk about how many we have. And we have big interest from pharma. So maybe we do a collaboration um, very soon um, with a big pharma company, maybe with more than one pharma company. And I think um, when we can show in one tissue, in one case for one disease, that um, an autophagy drug works, um, we have a pretty big breakthrough in the entire longevity field. And I'm very excited about that. And this is a company that we um, built completely ourselves. So um, we wanted to um, build something in the autophagy space or wanted to do an investment there. Um, we talked to everyone in the field. Um, we looked at a lot of companies. And at the end, we um, talked to the best scientists in that field. We had them as um, scientific co-founders. And we built up that company. That means we did everything for the company from um, IP negotiations, um, all the contracts with the CROs, we hired the team, um, we did a, a research and development plans, um, indication selection, um, and so on and so forth. We did the financing, and now um, we have a great company there. And this is um, yeah, um, a very good stereotype uh, or thumbnail of um, how we do company building at Apollo. So I just had to Google this real quick. So. Uh, I uh, autophagy is a process by which a cell breaks down and destroys old, damaged, or abnormal proteins and other yes. substances in the cytoplasm. So basically what you're saying is you created this whole product line to be able to do that. And then what does what that result thus far that you have seen? I mean, we have like very, very good data in um, different disease models. Um, as I said, I can't um, give you more right, information right. on that. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the data looks um, amazing. And um, as I said, I think that um, the decrease of autophagy, so because autophagy is decreasing with, um, with age, um, so the decrease of autophagy, in my opinion, is the biggest aging factor we know of. Um, so I, can, I think that we can use this technology for all kinds of um, age-related diseases. And um, again, I mean, if you Google um, heart disease and autophagy, if you um, Google diabetes um, and autophagy, if you um, Google Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS and autophagy, you, you will um, have a lot of hits on Google. Oh, because this is very similar. I was just looking at this keto, ketone, right? Ketone is really big right now. It's like the, it's the sexy <laughs> word in, in the U.S. So getting yourself, your body into ketone, basically, um, it reduces your appetite. Helps with fatigue, bad breath, weight loss. Okay, interesting. And so this, 
uh, someone asked, it looks like, how long do you have to fast until uh, autophagy between 24 to 48? So what you're saying is also this directly helps um, the, the the lifespan of this. How often should someone be aware of this? Or like, what what, what does that cadence look like? I'm I mean, curious. with fasting and autophagy, there's a big discussion. The thing is, I mean, um, you can see, um, I think, in mice um, that um, after 12 hours or something like that, autophagy is triggered when they fast. Um, but the thing is, I mean, uh, mice are much smaller than men, and I think they also die within... Um, I don't know um, how many hours it is, but 72 hours or something like that if they don't eat. Um, so um, I think autophagy is um, much quicker triggered in mice than in men. And um, a lot of um, people do this 16-8 um, diet where they only eat um, eight hours um, a day yeah. and they think it will trigger autophagy. By the way, I also do um, only eat for eight hours a day, um, but I don't think that it triggers autophagy. I think autophagy is only triggered after three days of fasting. So, um, I mean, if you can do that, if you can fast, um, I don't know, four days every month or something like that, of course, this is really good for your health. It's not only because of autophagy, um, also because of um, all kinds of blood markers um, it is beneficial for. But the problem um, is, I mean, if you're, for example, a VC like me, it's very hard to do that. So um, you have like business dinners all the time. Um, you're working a lot. You want to have um, a social life. And if you have a partner, <laughs> so latest when you have a partner, it's a big problem to fast four days uh, every month. Because then when you are home and you have time um, for your partner or for your family, when you even have family, and then you're like, um, yeah, we can hang out, but I can't eat with you. It's a big problem, I can tell you. <laughs> so you you would normally do it for four days. That's kind of what you guys recommend, four days every month or so. Let me ask yeah, you. I would what, say what... at least three days, at least three days. Yeah. Okay. At what age should you kind of start, you know, prioritizing this a little bit? Because I do know when you're younger, you're in that growth stage, you kind of still need to be eating mm -hmm. stuff because your your body is whatever. But at what age do you recommend kind of like making this maybe, uh, you know, top of mind? Yeah, I will, of course, I wouldn't um, recommend it for um, neither for, for children, nor for teenagers, um, nor for young um, adults. Um, so I think, for example, um, with males, um, males always take a little bit longer um, than, than women. Um, so I, I think the brain is um, only fully developed with 20 or can take until 26. And I, can, I think you can also really see that um, with males, that some of them, I think my brain was also only fully developed when I was 26. <laughs> so I wouldn't fast um, until then, right? And um, after that, I would say it's um, safe to fast. And um, I think if you're fully developed, if, you're, if your um, body is in that um, state, um, you, it's always beneficial, I would say. Um, of, maybe it's more beneficial when you're older, um, but um, I would say um, with, with 26, 27, you can, you can start with fasting. Interesting. And of that course, it also depends on, 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 on your other life choices, right? So, yeah. Um, if so let's... Well, good, good. So let's say you do this at like 30, right? 32, 34, where you're still exactly, yeah. that, that, that age, you're kind of in a job, you're kind of stressed, you're building a family, there's a lot going on, right? Between 30 to 40, there's been a lot of stress and so forth. And my question is, is when you start doing this, what is that result on the back end in regards to like, I don't know if there's a test out there or there's been research that says, hey, when they start doing it at this age, we can see that it's added another seven, eight, 10, maybe 15 years by this certain habit by fasting three no, or there, four days. There's no study. There's no study that no? Um, is um, saying that you can definitely see in your blood work um, that some parameters, some biomarkers um, become better. So, for example, um, your IGF levels um, are decreasing, which is, I mean, IGF is good for growth, right? It's a growth hormone, but it's um, in the long term, it's, it's bad for your health. And I think that also, um, yeah, 
blood, blood fat uh, markers um, are decreasing. So um, you can see beneficial effects definitely of fasting um, in your blood work, but um, you can't translate that one-to-one -to, -one to um, years of life or life extension. <laughs> That's yeah. not. I mean, I, I'm not aware of a study. <laughs> if okay, you well, know one, please send it to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I don't. That's why I was just curious. That's why I'm asking you. But uh, I appreciate you, you, you let me know. I just I get I get pumped up because I, I'm seeing. You know, one people. You know, I've I've always been in this 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 thought process. I want to live to like 100, 110, right? We've all heard that, right? Mm -hmm. We want to live this long life, but also we don't want to live in a situation where you're like a, just a you know piece of fruit, you know, just kind of crumbled up in a you know in a in a in a in a chair somewhere. You want to have, you know, lifestyle. You want to enjoy. You want to have some yeah. fun. And there's a lot of things that we're seeing that are being developed that are developed as well. And that's the reason why I just I appreciate this conversation and you know what Apollo Health Ventures, what you guys are doing, uh, being on the forefront, actually investing into these founders, into these these teams, and even building it out yourself and working with a lot of LPs to really raise the capital to be able to do that. Uh, I just think it's really awesome because I understand it's um, you know it's very very important. And there have to be people like yourself that know it, that know in and out of it, what's going on, and that kind of the stages, uh, and because there are certain you know regulations you have to follow accordingly. But at the end of the day, it is worth it. Um, and I really appreciate you being on. Uh, for for those, Dr. Minchin, for those that want to be you know, reach out, that want to learn a little bit more about what you got going on, understand this thesis, understand this industry, uh, because maybe they have a story to tell, or maybe they have been in that mm -hmm. same situation where it's been impactful. Um, how do they reach out to you and be part of what you got going on? Um, so, I mean, so we have a lot of, I mean, of course, um, a lot of our LPs are interested in that topic. So, but um, I don't really understand your question. So you mean, um, if there are a lot of people that reach out to us because we are in the forefront of this industry and they're asking us um, for help with their lifestyle or what is your, what is your specific question? No, just how do they reach out to you? How do they be part of what you got going on? If they want to invest with your fund, if they want to engage with your resources oh, okay. and so forth, yep. how do they reach out to you? I know they can go to Apollo.vc. Oh, okay. How else? No, I think um, most people um, contact us over LinkedIn, um, which, which is possible. Um, but you can also find our email um, addresses on the website. Um, a lot of people um, contacting me on conferences as well, um, but it's um, very easy to, to reach us. Um, so the thing is, um, we are happy to everyone who's joining the space and who's doing investments in that space or is somehow um, somehow involved in um, bringing this space um, forward and um, we are happy um, to talk um, with them and we are happy um, to, to see um, if there's um, some overlap um, where we um, can help them again because I mean our mission, um, the mission of Apollo, I mean we founded this fund because um, we really want to make an impact in the industry and we want to help um, build up this industry. So as I said, we also, we, for other funds um, that are coming into that space, we don't um, consider them as competition, we consider them as collaborators. And um, I think the entire industry um, is like that, um, which I also really love about this industry. And everyone is like, you know, working on the same goal. Um, it is a lot of um, fun to make progress there and to, to make it together, right? And by the way, um, um, we were talking about this, uh, social connections. Um, this is also um, a kind of social connections. Um, so social connections are very, very important for your longevity, right? If you look um, in the, to the factors in your environment, um, social connections are one of the biggest factor for um, happiness, um, but also for longevity. That's awesome. And guys, those links will be in the description below. So make sure you stop what you're doing and make sure you reach out. If you want to invest, if you want to learn a little bit more about this, uh, then I put all those links down in the description. 
And uh, I, I really appreciate Dr. Mitch. I really appreciate you being on here and just adding so much value. And you know, again, I can't I can't reiterate enough where you're actually on the forefront of this. I am not uh, pervy with all this information. You have uh, been in this industry much longer than I have. You've probably seen a lot of evolution and the good uh, up to the right trajectory, which is fun. And uh, guys, if um, for those that want to reach out, it is Apollo.VC uh, as well as LinkedIn. His LinkedIn's down the below. Guys, that is the general partner and co-founder of Apollo Health Ventures, my friend, Dr. Minchin. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Davis podcast. Until next time, be uncommon if you can. Thank you. Dude.